0: Well, it's good to be back and good to be able to uh, open God's Word in front of you. And um, I found as uh, I was eagerly looking forward to getting back to Spain and back to uh, being in the churches and so on, I thought, you know, there's just a few things we haven't done. And said, we got we got to get it done. And uh, so we're going to do a little bit of that here today. Uh, We want to fine-tune, perhaps, purpose, direction, vision for the church. Kind of one of those, uh, so where are we going now, pastor, kind of thing. Okay, and what's what uh, what we want to begin to do here. Um, Perhaps I need to start by easing... Have uh, rumors or or wishes. I mean, you, know, you never know. It could be a wish, it could be a rumor. You, you know, you know, you just know how to grab these kind of things. up. Uh, but we the Restreples are here to stay, folks. Uh, I mean, some people were saying, "Hi, Pastor, nice to see you." So when are you leaving? And I'm like, "Okay, now is there a rumor going around, or they're already trying to get rid of me?" You know. <laughs> uh, Uh, and I I know why Um, uh, we have talked about opening more works down towards the Mar Menard area and uh, that's still true folks I'm a church planter, I love doing that we're going to get down to that kind of work but that doesn't mean I'm leaving now, you know Though I'm not much for a congregational kind of church, but, you know, if y'all take a vote, you know, we, Mary and I, will just move on, you know, we're not going to force you either. <laughs> but, uh, no, we're here to stay, and uh, we just had the privilege of celebrating our fourth anniversary. I kind of start anniversaries of churches, you know, you guys, you might know this, you might know, this is the fifth church that we've had a chance to work with and see planted and so on. So we kind of, the way I work out anniversaries is when do we baptize somebody? You know, when we baptize the first person, that's kind of like when church begins, you know, up to then it was just a Bible study, you know, uh, maybe a Bible study where they were collecting money, but that's it, it's just a Bible study. And uh, it was uh, in the autumn of uh, 2004 when we had the first uh, baptism, it was a lady by the name of Caroline and Isabel. You guys remember Caroline and Isabel? Yes. And uh, I haven't heard from them since before leaving. I don't know if they're still around, but uh, they were certainly the first two that were baptized over by the on the beach. And uh, so, there's where kind of lies our whole idea of why our anniversary kind of falls in the autumn and not necessarily January when was when we opened the doors and had our first Bible study with the Alpha course, because really back then it was just a Bible study. So after four years, you reckon it's time we put down a mission statement, you know, who are we, what are we, where are we going? Uh, now that we've been a church, let's uh, give a little bit more of a framework for it. So that's what I want to do here today. Maybe not necessarily come to a complete mission statement, but I want to give you the three pillars on which we're going to hang this mission statement. On which we're going to tell Torah Vieja, Alicante, Murcia, we're going to to tell them, okay, here we are folks, and this is what we're here to do. This is what we want to do for you. This is what we're here to do for God. This is what we're here to do for ourselves. So, we're going to begin with that as a purpose, uh, 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 kind of cast out a purpose uh, for us. Now, Isaiah chapter 43, you don't need to go there, just want to start with this thought. Isaiah 43, 7 gives the purpose, the reason why you exist. Now, you're really your purpose for existence... It's mapped out for us in the scriptures. It wasn't to provide a credit card for your wife. It wasn't to have X amount of children, or it certainly wasn't to come live in the Costa del Sol. That's not your purpose for existence. Isaiah tells us what God thinks about that. This is what he says. Even everyone that is called by my name, everyone that is called by not my name, says, "I have created him for my glory." Well, that's your purpose—to give glory to God. In what you do, what you say, where you go, how you how you handle yourself. What you eat, what you don't wear, anything, everything you do is meant, supposed to bring glory to God. You were created, God says. You were called by His name. You who are called by His name were created for His glory. So no matter what we put down as our statement, and no matter where we go here today, folks, that's the underlining current. We are to bring glory to God. Whether it's as individuals, as families, as a collective body, we're to bring glory to God. So, we want to talk about spheres of ministry. Spheres of ministry here today. Okay? Let's pray. And let's see where God is going to take us in the next ten minutes. Now you've got to be kidding. You know I'm not going to take ten minutes. Okay. Maybe twenty. I don't promise. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people, Lord. Thank you for their faithfulness to you. And um, this evening, we ask that you guide us. Help us, Father, to set forth some boundaries, some purposes. Yes, Lord, a statement of who we as a church as a local church, who we are and what you have placed us here to do. So guide us this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. What are the spheres of ministry of a church? Are there is there one? Is there more than one? And if so, how do we prioritize? And that's going to be important. How do we prioritize those spheres of ministry? Are any more important one than another? Or are they all equal? This is really an introduction to a series. My, where I, where I kind of, right now I'm stuck is if I should continue and do this, or, I'm really kind of really looking forward to get into Colossians. So, somewhere along the line, I've got to make up my mind here. But, y'all come back next Sunday, and we'll figure something out by then. Okay? Which way we're kind of, we're going to go. But, sooner or later, sooner or later, we will kind of take this introduction... And then it kind of expanded. And really the way it's working out, uh, easily, it can easily go into about 12 more messages. Uh, But um, it's going to be exciting. And I, I think you'll agree so too, even after we do the introduction today. For the first part here, first point, we want to think about three building blocks. There are three blocks that we must have in our mission statement three column, three hooks where we are going to hang everything we do as a church whether it's uh, a, an outing as we're going to be doing in November or whether it's uh, handing something out to somebody who is in need or whether we ourselves are uh, how we carry ourselves throughout uh, the uh, first part of uh, our service during our worship time we want to have these hooks where we can hang everything that we do, because there must be a purpose in what we accomplish here. So we have three spheres of ministry that we want to talk about. Now I know a church has ministries. There's the ladies' ministries, there's the youth ministries. Within the youth ministries, there's the older youth, the younger youth, the little kids. Uh, then you, of course you might have a, you might have a deaf ministry if you have a church where there's deaf. Uh, you might have a ministry to singles, a ministry to divorce, a ministry. You have all a church can have. As, as as big as it is, it can have ministries. I always say the ministries are based on what God puts on your heart to do. Will empower you to get it done. But what, what we're talking about is more more concise, more, as we said, more of a hook where we can hang the other things on. And uh, I have a little bit of help here. We have put together three spheres, and there they are, and those are the three that we're going to talk about. Okay? There's the ministry to the Lord, there's the ministry to the body, and there's the ministry to the world. And we're going to divide ourselves up into those three areas. And how it works out is something like, the, excuse me, the ministry to the Lord is our upward reach. Our upward reach as we love God. That's going to be our most important one in the sense of prioritizing. Okay, we'll prioritize that one at first. Number two, we're going to then talk about ministry to the body. And we're going to call that that inward reach as we love one another. Because it's meant to be a place where the people of God are cared for and loved. And the third one is ministry to the world, which is the outward reach as we seek to love the world. Now, easy on the tomatoes, hold on. When we say the world, we mean the cosmos. You know, John 3:16, for God so loved the world. Okay? We're not, you know, we're not on our way to the discotheque. That's not what I'm saying. You know what I mean? I mean loving the world that is without Christ. Now, we can not isolate one as being more biblical than the other. Not one is more biblical than the other of this, these three. Are, uh, uh, they are of the same importance. But there is a priority order or sequence that we're going to follow. And the reason is that the maxim, to maxim, this, this order of prioritizing will maximize the effectiveness of each of the spheres okay the, the, the maximizing of the effect now I thought of an illustration and of course it came to me and I should have if I would have had a telephone by the way I don't have a telephone that's why right, you can't find me I can't find you I can't find her I would have I gotten a whole guild and she would have gone into the internet and gotten what I wanted besides this uh, and that is can you in your mind picture a fountain now can you picture a three tiered fountain three tiers you know and you, we have, uh, we use one here for fellowship sometimes, uh, you know, you, the little thing comes up and, and, and uh, the juice goes to one little tier and then it goes out and it comes out the little holes and call the bottom one, uh, you, know, the, the, you know, three-tiered fountain, where the water kind of starts and fills up the top tier, right? And then it flows off of that to the second tier. And then when it fills up, it then flows over to the third tier. Y'all with me? Anybody out there? You guys with me? Was that kind of like a crazy uh, thing? Or Y'all can can you deal with that? Yes? Good, 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 good. Okay? So, see, see what I mean? You maximize the effectiveness of each fear by prioritizing. Okay? So we're going to put them in a priority order so we can maximize his effectiveness. All right? And we're going to begin with the first one. Okay, if we would, uh, if you can in your mind just kind of picture that three-tiered um, fountain. We'll call the first tier, ministry to the Lord. Alright? Our upward reach as we love God. Our heart's purpose and soul should be to worship God. So now open your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. Alright? Acts chapter 13. Ministry to the Lord. In Acts chapter 13 we have a verse. I'm sure you'll understand the context there. Um, I'll go ahead and start with verse 1 while you're looking. Uh, Oh well, that's Revelation. That doesn't look good something about a, a beast and I thought no that's not supposed to be there no beast in uh, Acts 13 and uh, it says now there were at an Antioch in the church that was there prophets, teachers Barnabas, Simeon who was called Niger Lucius, Cyrene uh, Maniam, who had uh, been brought up in, with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul now verse 2 and while they were Ministering to the Lord and fasting the Holy Spirit said set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them while they were ministering to them maybe you might have one of these modern translations NIV uh, perhaps and I think they put the word uh, worship does anybody have that? worship? yes now the NIV it's a it's a good translation because it kind of brings the English language down so that we can read it. But sometimes they they work really hard at making it understandable and they forget to look at the Greek. Uh, the word is not worship. It's actually the word that we use for liturgy. Uh, Leutergial. You can hear the word liturgy there. Okay, and it, it means service, ministry. It doesn't mean worship. Means ministry, service to God, and if we can kind of get a hold of that word, we'll then understand the others. Because we will get into the others eventually when we do, uh, when we do kind of come back and do something with this whole uh, passage here. But uh, it is not the word for worship. Uh, the, the Greek word for worship is proskuneo And it's not there That's not what it's talking about So ministry, okay I'm not telling you to scratch it out And put ministry But uh, you know uh, Occasionally it's good to look at uh, The other versions Now The benefits of ministering to the Lord What it means To minister to the Lord What are the benefits And when we get back to this, this is some of the things we're going to talk about. Uh, As we worship, as we minister to the Lord, we'll find the key to overcoming weariness and burnout in service, which so often happens to volunteers, people that say, yeah, I'll help, you know, and uh, they, they, they start off with a great bang for a week, two, three, four, five, six months, and then it just starts to piddle, because it's... Perhaps not being done as ministry to the Lord. Uh, That's where we will uh, find uh, uh, the the means by which we can um, wrestle with that kind of weariness. Uh, Personal renewal. uh, Fruit that remains as we share our gospel with others. Spiritual power. Magnetic attraction to others and so on. As we minister to God, it kind of it will be where we draw all the energy to uh, serve uh, in the church. Now, when we talk about ministering to the Lord, we have to ask God a question. What does God desire? As we look through scripture, what are some of the things we see that He desires from us? Uh, There's three, and that's kind of like where we would sort of divide the future messages, would be worship, God wants our worship, there's where worship comes in. God does, and and you know what worship is, uh, it's from that old English word that means worth. Worth. Uh, Intrinsic value. Not for, not because He gives us... Because of who He is. We worship Him because of who He is. And uh, we would um, expand on the concept of worship. And I want to do that. I, I think I need to do that. I want to kind of reaffirm to you my idea of what worship is. And, and, and if I can just give you one word from here that can hold to the day where we do that, I want to, I, I would use the word freedom. Freedom to worship God how you want. There's no set rule folks. I don't care what church you go to. There may be a set rule in a church. There may be a local set rule. in in that case you must obey that rule if that's what the local congregation has we should respect it but there really isn't there is no set rule of worship other than from the heart God desires our praise now praise speaks of thanksgiving adoration adoration That's where we say to Him, thank you for what you have done. Yes, I realize I needed you. Yes, I see what you have done. I realize that without it, I was dead in the water. Thanksgiving, adoration, praise. God desires our praise. And God so desires our intimate... Communion with Him. Our intimate communion. And how that gets accomplished is through communication. Right? You talk to Him, He talks to you. That's intimate communion. And we can uh, develop that. But uh, we're talking about ministering to God through our worship, through our praise, through our intimate communion. That is going to be the first pillar on which we will build our mission statement. What is it that ICA exists for? Number one, to minister to the Lord. Now, if right about now you're thinking, wait, that's not how I grew up. In my church, the most important thing was, and it just might be on that sphere, but it might not be the order that maybe you want. But if you follow me, Maybe by the end of the evening, at least I'll have challenged you to kind of maybe reconsider that order. Number two, the second sphere of ministry would be ministry to the body. Would you follow me again to Hebrews chapter 6, please? Don't forget, this is just an introduction. Hebrews. Hebrews. Chapter 6. You know, the great thing about introductions are that you don't ever have to have an end to them. Mm -hmm. I hope you had supper. Anyway, Hebrews 6, chapter... uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. Verse 9. Hebrews 6, 9 says, But be loved... We are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. Follow me, verse 10. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward His name in what? In having ministered and in still ministering to who? To the saints. To the body. You know, God takes it really serious. He says that He will not forget. That He takes into consideration that He is mindful and He is right there watching out our service to one another. Serving service to one another to strengthen, to build each other up. It's where we get a chance to Reach in and love one another. Reach into the body. Reach into the congregation where God has placed you. Reach in and love one another and serve each other. The body. Perhaps we need to just briefly talk about where we might be going in future messages with that. There are several metaphors that speak about Christ and the church and uh, some are brief and some are rather long extensive for example there is the metaphor of the building Christ the foundational stone believers are the building blocks that then are placed upon that foundational stone to build the building there is another metaphor that we studied here once extensively. It is the metaphor, which really is a, uh, is an allegory, an extended metaphor of the vine and the branches. Remember the big message long extended message we did on the vine and the branches. Jesus, the vine, that true vine, we the branches that produce the fruit. Then there is the bride and the groom. The church being the bride of Christ. Jesus, the groom that gives his very life for his bride. She prepares herself to be presented holy and undefiled. Then there is the idea of a family. The metaphor that speaks of the body but through a family kind of thing. Where God the Father, believers, brothers and sisters, and we are to have respect, love, and care for those that are part of the family. Jesus, our older brother, God the Father, us as brothers and sisters. You know, in the Spanish churches especially the Latino churches everybody's brother and everybody's sister brother this and sister that now I'm not, maybe you come from a church that's like that, that's alright but sometimes that uh, gets really carried away, you know, it does it really does, somebody walks through the door because our language is sort of preset. somebody walks in and we say oh, good morning good evening sister and they're new yeah, and you don't even know if they're your cousins yet. You know, you haven't even figured out if they're part of the body. But you, you know, you're, you're in that language and you go around. I forgot you were behind me, man. I forgot you saw And uh, I've been mean, kind of giving my back to you guys. And, uh, you know, you, you just go around saying brother and sister to everybody. And occasionally, that, that's our church in Murcia, right? Now, of course, as the pastor, I know the people. And occasionally somebody will come up to me that I know is not part of the family. And they'll say Brother Raphael And I just kind of look at them and say As far as I know we're not even cousins (laughs) They get really shaken up by that (laughs) Uh, Because That's a sacred word Brother Sister Okay Assuming we're together in Christ Yes Okay and then of course there is the metaphor of the body it is the most extensive of the metaphors it speaks of a living body christ the head the control center yes christians uh, the personal parts of that body and we could read in Romans and in other parts where we, Dave talks about an eye and ear and nose and uh, some other parts and, and the idea is of course that uh, we all together are jointly knitted hold on kind of remember the song you know the, my knee bones connected to my Don't I'm not going to try that but you know what I mean that's the metaphor now In theology, there is a study called Ecclesiology. There is a section called Ecclesiology. That's where we study the church. Alright? It is the doctrine of the church. And I asked Thursday, this is what really kind of sparked the whole thing, was, what's the church? And boy, we had a lot of fun Thursday about the whole thing. But we did conclude that it had to do with people and not buildings. We did conclude that. And um, we realize that the word church means the called out ones The ekklesia, the called, the, those who have been called out It is a congregation, it is an assembly And Jesus uh, in regards to this uh, Well we learn through scripture What constitutes the church How can we summarize it really quick let me not get out of here myself here. And we'll just say this. The community of all true believers at all, at all times. All believers throughout all of time. That's the church. And of that church, this is what Ephesians 5.25 says, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Loved the church and gave himself for her. Now there's an invisible church. Did you know that? There is an invisible church. You've heard that expression? If you haven't, then you're not hearing very well because I just said it. There is an expression in theology that calls it the invisible church. Now the invisible church is all of God's children, all the believers of all times... And folks, it doesn't matter how big of a church building we get, we could never get them all there. You understand? The invisible church is that which only God knows. It's the individual believers. Wherever they are, in whatever church they are, in whatever denomination they are. Only He knows. Now we might have some, you know, things with some denominations or others. I certainly have my little ticklers with some, but you know what? I'm not gonna, you know, I'm just not gonna say there aren't any. And some I think I can probably say that, but in others, you know, you just, uh, but only God knows. See, it's invisible. The church is God sees it. He sees what we cannot see. You can see into every corner of the world, into every country, every part, where there may be a believer. Now, then there is the visible church. That's the invisible church. Then there is the visible church. That one kind of is an easy one, right? That one you can see, right? That's the local assembly in a given community, town, uh, parish, wherever, however you see it. Those are the ones that ring the bells or have a door, have a lovely couple at the door greeting you as they come in, you know. And they come together and then we make a lot of noise because we love God and we want to sing out of our hearts and lungs. That is the visible church. It's the one you and I can see. All who profess faith in Christ and who give biblical evidence that their faith is genuine, is the local church in the community that is living out its faith. Now, then we have to, we're going to talk about ministering to the body. Someone sooner or later is going to say, well, what about the true churches and the false churches? What constitutes a true church? What constitutes a false church? Because there are false churches. Well, the best way we can do that is, to, again, to look at Scripture. Galatians speaks of a true gospel. Now, if you've got a true gospel, and Paul says, if anyone comes with another gospel, let him be anathema. He is not to be listened to. So if there is a true gospel, there's obviously a... Come on, folks. There's a false Hello, wake up. Okay. There's a false gospel. So wherever the false gospel is being preached, then I guess that's not a true church, right? So in order for us to figure that out, we then need to find out what is the true gospel. And uh, 1 Corinthians 15, if you want to, you can go there. Uh, I'll read it to you. It's of course that uh, brilliant passage by Paul as he summarizes to us what he understands to be the gospel. And uh, we can certainly um, preach up a storm on those four verses. First uh, Corinthians fifteen verses one through four. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you, here we go, As of first importance, that I also receive that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Now if we stop and just talk about that, we have to talk about the depravity of man. And because of sin, oh, there's that word, that Jesus died on the cross. He didn't die on the cross because we were bad boys and girls. He didn't die on the cross because we make mistakes. Did you know that? You know, he didn't die on the cross because we're not perfect. Folks, he died on the cross because we're rotten sinners. Until he comes into a heart, then we're made awesome saints. See? But uh, first we're rotten sinners. Sin put him on the cross. So the gospel talks about sin. So if we're not preaching sin, then we got to ask ourselves, are they preaching the right gospel? You see what I mean? Now, we'll get into that as uh, we develop these messages. Uh, This is just a taste. So Christ, and Christ alone, is the means by which we can enter into the kingdom. Yes, that is the true gospel, right? Not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to His mercy He saves us. By the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. So it's not because I earned my way there. It's not because I've been good. I've gone to church. I've I've obeyed my parents. You know. Whatever it is you think has held you there. Don't work. Not works. Not religious acts. But faith. And faith alone. Right? For by grace... Are you saved through faith? And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So when we if we want to know what is a false church, let's ask him about the gospel. That will show us something really quick. Next are uh, the emblems. You see how they handled the emblems, the ordinances, or or sometimes they're called the sacraments, how they handled them, that will tell us something. Jesus left us two ordinances, two sacraments, two commandments, as we might say, to carry out as a body. One of them was, go preach the gospel and baptize. So we are to baptize. The other one was, every time you meet, You are to break bread. You are to bring the wine. So communion and baptism are these two ordinances. How they are handled can tell us something about a false church or a true church. By the way, in that conversation on Thursday, may may I say, I held my breath because I wanted to talk. But it was getting late and it was already getting heated up. What is a church? And I heard that, you you know, there's just a group of believers. If just a small group of believers get together, that's a church. Okay, now, here's my thought on that. Now, you don't have to take it, but you can look into Scripture and try to challenge it. When a small group of believers get together, that is called a small group of believers getting together. That is called a Bible study. A fellowship And if they get together for three weeks, three months, three years, 30 years, and all they do is get together to study the Bible and have fellowship and eat cake, which we probably shouldn't, and you know, then it's just the Bible study. Now right now you're all thinking of some verses, and I would love to go there, but it's 10 minutes to 8. Someday we'll get to this in a series. But let me just say this. It's not a church if you don't practice the ordinances. Now that might kind of make you cringe a little. But you've got to baptize. And you've got to have communion. Then you're a church. Now now do you didn't hear me say anything about having a building, right? You didn't hear me say you gotta have a building with at least three pillars in the way so you can have to go around, you know, and see if you can see or not the preacher. We didn't say that. Or start off at a uh, at a rotisserie chicken place, you know, on Kajazoa. Now we didn't say that either. So that when we started International Christian Assembly, it started as a Bible study. And as a Bible study, it finished somewhere around uh, June, I think, by the time we finished, uh, or May or June, we finished the Alpha Course. Then we began meeting on Sunday morning. Now we had a church because it was meeting on Sunday morning. No, We had a Sunday morning Bible study. Then God allowed us to baptize the first few believers, converts. Now we put it all together. See, we were breaking bread. Now we were baptizing people. Now we were a church meeting in the basement of a house. The building didn't matter. And uh, just give me time. We'll get to that where two or three are gathered thing. Okay? But I'm not going to go there right now. All right. So what is a false church? A false church is where salvation is a part or in addition to the work of Christ. Anything that they give you, add on, tack on, anything that has to do more than. And listen, I am an ex-Catholic. If there anybody out there is an ex-Catholic, I... And if you're still a Catholic, but I can say because I know I was an altar boy. I know what I'm talking about. We were taught it was Christ plus. And you take that and deal with it. But that's not where I found my Jesus. Because there it was, yeah, Jesus died on the cross, and yes, Jesus died to, make you, to save you from your sins, but You've got to. And then we added to that. And that's what confused all of us. Anyway. We're going to get to some practical applications of what is a false church. And, and you know, when we get there, I'm going to ask, I'm going to let you ask me. You know, well, what about, you know, and we'll deal with that kind of thing. But not right now, not right now. You know, it is a difficult thing to minister to dismembered bodies. Just thinking about it, dismembered body just kind of makes me cringe. You know, It's see all that like, blood, and you know, throughout my life, throughout my ministry, I've met Christians, or at least we say they are, who don't go to church anywhere. They meet with God in their homes and they don't need the local church because it's full of hypocrites and you know they have a list you can't minister to those people they won't let you they're dismembered they have this ideal of what they think a church is and they can't find it anywhere and so they turn on the God channel and they do church I don't think so but How can we serve them if they're not willing to be a part of it? We can minister to the body if they're there to be ministered to. Alright, number three, we we must finish up here. Ministry to the world. Um, You may follow, if you wish, to Mark chapter 16. Very familiar verses. Uh, I could quote them if I... So I uh, just want to make sure you know where they are. 16 verses 15 and 16 of Mark. And he said to them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creatures. And he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has, uh, who has disbelieved shall be condemned. We are to minister to the world, folks. Now, before we get into that, I got two things I want to clear up with you. Number one, go back to your um, fountain. Okay? So, we got the first tier of the fountain. We learn to minister to God. We learn to minister to the Lord as we praise Him, as we worship, as we have intimate communion with Him. It's just going to fill up, right? And the water then is going to overflow into the second tier, which is ministering to the body. And it'll just come natural for us to serve each other. Because you know how it is, it's much easier, isn't it? To, to, to kind of minister among Christians And fellowship with Christians You know, you don't have to worry about the smoke in your face Or somebody saying some bad word or something And so you feel comfortable You can talk about things Nobody's going to bring up a subject That's going to make you green or anything like that You know, so you can minister first to the body But, but when you've done that Right, and that gets filled up What's going to happen? It's going to spill on to the third tier Ministry to the world but I want you to get that image You know, you fill up the first, fill up the second Then the third one gets started Fill up Now, the second thing I wanted to clarify to you I am a missionary Got that? You don't have to remind me about the lost I dedicated my life to reaching the lost So, we could talk about ministering to the world probably in 10 minutes. I'll give you everything I know about going out and preaching the gospel to everybody. But, this is a much more complicated world, isn't it? Isn't it? Between post-modern culture and what they call post-Christian era... While you try to figure out what humanism is, and how to get to those people that say that uh, are religiously, um, in uh, they're just not caring, you know, there's no time for religiosity, it gets complicated. Now when I first came to Christ, I thought that ministering to the world should have been on top. So that's all I did. I used to drag poor sinners into church every Sunday. You know, I'd find somebody to bring. If not, I'd just go give them a try and I'd tell them, you know, you're going to hell. You need Jesus. And you know what? I did what I knew I was supposed to do. And I love telling people about God. I still do. But there were times that I was kind of frustrated, you know? Because it just got like a really overbearing job became such a hardship. It was like, uh, you know, these people aren't getting it. These poor, silly people can't figure out that they need God. And it would discourage me. Why? Because my well was getting dry. Because I wasn't ministering to the Lord first. Making sure I was well and full. And then, well, I was just ignoring the body of Christ because I spent my life criticizing them. I kept saying to them, those people don't get off their doff and get out on the street with tracks and hand them out to people. What's wrong with them? Don't they realize that people are going to hell? we got to save them. And so I was a very critical Christian of the church. Well, if I wasn't ministering to the body, how on earth was God going to use me to minister to the world? yet I dedicated my life to it. But thank God that he helped me out a little bit. Threw in a few teachings here and there. And sometime back, about 1994, it all kind of made sense. How do we affront humanism? Religious apathy. How do we deal with this ex-generation of... Postmodern culture, post-Christian era. Well, there are ways. We'll talk about those someday. But our message hasn't changed, folks. Oh no, no, don't you think that? Because in that third tier is the world, as though it's of least importance. We didn't say that. We said priority. Remember, not importance. Priority. We prioritize. God. We then prioritize the church. And then we prioritize the world. And when we are ready and prepared. We will take the same message that came to us. Flee from the wrath to come. We must tell them there is a wrath to come. And we must remind them. Teach them, show them the loving words that say, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. See, the message hasn't changed. We're just going to get good and geared up for it. We're not going to work out of an empty well. We're not just going to go out there because it's the thing to do. While we neglect those that are here, or certainly while we neglect ministering to our God the way we should I want to close off with an illustration and um, I could talk about this for a half hour but let's try and do it in about 30 seconds it all started in the 90's in the early 90's my wife and I came in 1989 to work in Barcelona, Spain We were brought as the evangelists to work in a church to help the youth to bring the poor heathen from the streets into the church. And um, it's a long story how we got there but anyway, we got there. My wife and I were there about a year. We realized the church was dead and dying. There were serious problems but I wasn't a pastor so I didn't have to worry about it. It was the other guy's problem. He needed to straighten everybody else up. I wasn't the veteran missionary It was another guy So he really should have been the one Doing all the missionary kind of thing Well Then there was The dreadful Sunday About a year after we got there Both families Kind of simultaneously And in about a, Just a couple of weeks time Got up and said hey, It was nice knowing you And went out the door The next thing we knew My wife and I Were the pastors of the church And I thought Poor people have no idea what they're into. This drove me to my knees. I, I, I was in a different culture. I was just in a whole... And I thought, oh my goodness. In this church, you should have seen that church. I mean, it was embarrassing. And I just thought, oh, I need to go to God. I, I, had, I just had no idea how to attack the whole situation. So we began to pray we began to concentrate on God now mind you I didn't do this because I knew and I didn't know to do it because I was smart we did it because they desperately needed to get a hold of God So we began to concentrate on God. It was during a time when I was beginning to make some changes in my own personal life, in my own understanding of worship, praise and adoration. I was opening up to an awful lot of freedom in Christ, you would say. And uh, so I began to share that with the church and things began to happen. And and there were needs, there were tremendous needs in the congregation which were totally being ignored. And we began to fill the needs and, and we began to... Give away the ministry instead of me doing everything, and my wife and the missionary did everything and, and the pastor did well, he did some things, and uh, but the missionary did everything they expected me to do everything because I was now the missionary, and i said i don 't think so y'all don 't pay me enough for that i didn 't pay me at all, so anyway so I said, no let 's if you guys do the ministry, us oh, we 're not trained. You know, that kind of thing. And we began to give away the ministry and they began to get involved and they began to do the work of the ministry themselves and they were getting excited about it and they began to minister to each other. Guess what was the effect of all of that? They wanted to go out there and tell people about Christ. All of a sudden, the ones that wouldn't move themselves from the seats who wouldn't pick up their buns and walk out, except when the service was over, they were telling us, let's go to the park. Let's do this. My wife came up with ideas for them. They were doing it. The youth got involved. The elders got involved. Older people, young people. We were doing all kinds of things, sharing the gospel. They weren't getting saved by the thousands, folks. I'll tell you that. But they were reaching to the world. All of a sudden, they saw the need. Why? Because they had met the two main important needs. They were ministering to God. They were ministering to each other. It was only natural now to minister to the world. By that time, guess what happened to the missionary? Boy, was I excited. Now I'm ready to go out. Now let's go save the poor souls. And I wasn't doing it by myself. I wasn't the professional clergyman doing my job because I'm still not the professional clergyman that's supposed to do the job we are the church, we are supposed to go out there but first, let's make sure we get the first two in line, and then first, it's going to be so natural that Liz isn't going to be begging for help in the market she's going to be saying, I'm not on this week somebody else is get my point? We must reach outward, upward and love God, inward and love each other, outward and love the world. Let's stand and pray.